glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Um, now let us turn to God's Word. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Today's reading comes from 1 Peter 2. I'll be reading uh, verses 4 through 10. And chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. This is God's holy and inspired word. Please give your attention to the reading of it. Chapter 2. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. That's what it's reading of God's holy and inspired word. May he bless it to us and let us come before our Lord and ask for his help to understand his word. Let us pray. Heavenly blessed Father, we come before you knowing that you are calling us from your Mount Zion, the heavenly kingdom, to your presence. Father, help us today to understand you and your great work in the history Help us and guide us so that we would know that you loved us in the first place and you sent your only son to bear the punishment of our sins. We also Let us also understand that he is a risen king even now, seated at, the, at your right hand, ruling over all world. Help us to get that comfort and be encouraged by the word. And please also, Father, may the message be faithful to your word and the, the core center of your, your word. We also pray be with the preaching of your word. May it be done for your honor and glory and for the comforting and sanctification of your saints. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, dear people of God, my, my father was a salesman, so he would travel from different, sit, different cities to another, other cities just to sell things for business reasons. Uh, so he's seen a lot of cities, both in Turkey and in different countries. Uh, as he would travel a lot, he would see many things, and he, he would experience really weird things too. Adventurous some, some of them boring. And since he, sees all, since he saw all those things, he would come home and tell us as kids all about what he has seen on, on the road. Some of them were really you know, interesting. Some of them were like boring and we didn't want to listen to. 
So, but one story among all stood out because I still remember it vividly when he told us. Apparently, he was traveling from a city to another for, again, business reasons, and he couldn't find any plane tickets, so he had to take the bus. And as they were traveling, it was snowing. It was snowing heavily. Weather conditions were not good at all. So uh, the, the road was icy. It was slippery. It was really hard to drive. And the, the bus driver, apparently, he was driving a little fast. And as an inevitable outcome of driving fast on an icy road, as you might all know, living here, um, might be dangerous. And the, the bus driver lost control of the bus as he was driving, and the bus started spinning and sliding over the road. And as the, the, as the, 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 the driver lost the control of this, car, this, this bus, there was another car coming from the opposite direction. Thankfully, the, the, the driver of that car saw the, the bus, and he wanted to stop. Since he couldn't stop, he directed his car to other, the, the other uh, side of the road. But the problem was there was this rocky place over there. And inevitably, he crashed the car over those rocky uh, places. And apparently, uh, the, the bus driver finally got the control of the car, stopped. Everyone was in shock. They, they got out of the bus right away because they thought that the, the, the car driver was definitely dead. So they went there to check if he's alive. And what they see was remarkable because the guy was alive and he did not get any wound from the, the, the accident. But it, the, the remarkable thing was not that. The thing was, after that, as they were waiting for the ambulance and, and the doctors and, and, and paramedics, they were trying to talk to the guy, try to calm him down. But it was hard because the guy couldn't remember anything. He couldn't remember his name. He couldn't remember where he was going. He couldn't remember, I mean, his wife's name or his own name for, for that matter. So they had to check his wallet and get his ID to understand and see who he is. But this is something that happens in these kind of situations. And it's called amnesia. And we actually know someone, or we've seen on the news, something to this effect, right? Somebody is involved in a crash, big crash, plane crash maybe, or an accident, but he survives miraculously. When the reporters, they wanted to interview the guy, he forgets everything. He can't tell anything. He's in shock. We know the situation. And we know someone probably, even now, who has been through that kind of a problem. Well, in our text today, we have something like that. What we might, we might call, though, the spiritual amnesia. In the dark times under persecution and suffering, the people of God tend to forget things. Tend to forget what Christ has done. Tend to forget what, who Christ is. Tend to forget who they are in Christ and what they have. And that is the whole story in 1 Peter. Actually, the whole epistle is about this story, the reminder to God's people. And as we go into our story today, from verses 4 to 10, we see that the apostle is encouraging us and reminding us our identity. To that end, he first reminds us 
who Christ is. Second, he reminds us who we are. And then he takes a step back. He tells us the destiny and identity of unbelievers this time. And then he continues and gets a deeper conversation about our identity. So again, three things. The identity of believers. The identity of Christ first. The identity of believers second. And then the identity of unbelievers. This is going to be the topic of our passage today. Just as a background story, how uh, Peter came to this passage before, just as an overview uh, of what has happened before, um, we see that Paul, Peter is writing this message to the people in Asia, actually Asia Minor and the surrounding regions over there. It's kind of ironic that it's from Asia Minor because I am from Turkey and Asia Minor is what is modern Turkey now. All those places that I've been to before. So he's writing this message to encourage them. Because they are under great persecution. They live under the the government of Rome. Big Roman Empire. And as you remember, Rome was back then. It was governed by who? Emperor Nero. Who set the whole city on fire. He was insane. And he blamed all the Christians. It was that kind of a setting. And they were... Under persecution, they were humiliated publicly. Uh, They were lied about. They were definitely suffering. And this audience was a mixed audience. It was both Jews and Gentiles together. And Peter Peter started talking to them to remind them what they have in Christ in chapter 1. And one of the things that he reminded them that they have a living hope because Christ is resurrected. It is a living hope. Because the hope is alive now and he exists even in heaven right now. And then he reminded them that the inheritance that they have is quite different from the inheritance that the Jews and Israelites had in the Old Testament. He told them their inheritance is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for them, protected by God through faith. That's what Peter says. And he compares that to the inheritance in the Old Testament. What was it like in the Old Testament inheritance? Remember the land. The inheritance was the, inheritance was the land. And the land, it, it perished. There is no land now. And how about the, the death? It was corrupted by death. How about the sin? The sin prevailed in Israel. Actually, that time specifically... They didn't have anything. The Jews did not have those privileges. The land was gone. And Peter is saying, you people of God, you have an inheritance that death cannot corrupt. You have an inheritance that sin cannot do anything to. You have an inheritance that time cannot resist. This is an eternal inheritance that is in heaven. That is the message of Peter in chapter 1. And then he reminded them that they are exiles in this world. This is one of the themes in 1 Peter. He tells his audience again and again they're exiles and sojourners just like Abraham. In Genesis, we remember that Abraham was in a foreign land. He was called by God into a foreign land. 
And just like Abraham, we Christians who belong to Christ, we are exiles as well. This world, in this world, we do not have a home. I mean, even the homeless people, they would pick a spot and they will tell you that that spot belongs to them, right? In the most literal sense of the word, we are homeless right now in this world. Our citizenship lies in heaven. We belong to heaven. So in this world, after reminding that they're exiles and sojourners, foreigners, who are under persecution, he told them to live according to the customs and the cultures of their own country. You don't go and visit Italy, for some, let's say, and you don't just adopt all the culture and the customs there. It doesn't work that way. Brandon visited Turkey, and he did not adopt all the culture and the customs over there. It doesn't work that way. You will keep your, your customs and traditions. And that is why he urged Christians to live according to the standards of their own country, which is heaven. Living a holy life before the Lord and among the Gentiles, meaning the unbelievers of the time. And that is where we pick up in our passage today. And as I go through our passage verse by verse, please remember that even though Peter is addressing to those people in Asia and Asia Minor, these words of encouragement are ultimately for you, since we are united to those people and Christ through the Spirit. So be encouraged to hear who you are in Christ. This is the ultimate comfort for those who are suffering in this world. And we'll see eventually that our destiny, our destination, final destination, is glorious. That is our hope. So let's get, it, get into our passage and see what Peter has to say to us about Christ's identity in chapter 2, verse 4 first. Listen to what he says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious... If you look at the Greek, it's better to translate the first part as, as you have come to him. So he's basically addressing to those who are already in Christ, who has already come to him. But who is this Christ? What kind of person is he? Even in one verse, we learn tons about Christ's identity. See what he says. He is a living stone. A living stone. Why living? Christ is living stone. First of all, this living imagery is all over the place in First Peter. Living hope, living uh, saints, uh, living inheritance. This time it's a living stone. Why? Christ died, but he was resurrected. He's not dead anymore. That's why he's a living stone. And there is actually an allusion to Deuteronomy 4 in this text. Basically go, taking us back to Deuteronomy 4 and the situ situation of Israelites back then. Remember what they did. Remember the warning of Moses to Israelites. Israelites, they hoard after 
idols and gods of other nations. There were idols on every hill. And Moses said, Brothers and sisters, know that those idols that you go after, those stones and woods, they cannot hear, they cannot smell, they cannot speak. But this one, according to Peter, it's a living one. This stone is a living one. On, I mean, this is a great message to us all. This is the identity of Christ. He is the real God that can hear us, that can speak to us. That is real. It's not like those idols. He is a living stone. This is the first thing that we learn about Christ. He is authoritative being, a divine being. And again, he's rejected by men. The other thing is rejected by men. It's interesting, especially with the stone imagery, we see like kind of a two construction implied here. It's like men take the stone. They're trying to build this building. They take the stone, talking about Christ, take the stone, put it there. They don't see it fitting. It's not fitting. But the father takes it, takes a stone, takes Christ, and he sees it fitting for his building. While all those people rejected him, God did not. It was precious in God's side. And when, it's, when it says rejected by men, when we consider like ministry of Christ, we always think like he was only rejected by those Jewish people. No, he was rejected by all men. Remember Pontius Pilate? He said, crucify him. Okay, whatever you, you want to do, just take him. He said he's innocent of his blood. He washed his hands and he left. Remember that altercation, that conversation. What is truth? They all rejected Christ. Every human being rejected Christ. But even though he was rejected by men, we learn two other things about Christ. He was, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He was chosen and precious in God's sight, even though they all spit on his face, even though they all rejected him, telling him that he is a liar, he is no king. Even though they take him as a stone, look at him, not see him as fitting. God looked at him and he said, he chose him before the foundation of the world for the plan of salvation. And he saw him as a precious son. This is crucial. Remember these words, chosen and precious. For we, as we get into our identity, it is quite crucial for us to understand these things. Why? Because we know that our destiny is dependent on the, the identity of Christ. What Christ has done and who He is is our destiny. We're dependent on it. That is why we need to understand who Christ is for the first place. 
Christ was rejected by men, but he was precious and chosen in God's sight. Remember this. How about the believers? Who are believers? What do, what, what do we, we mean by we belong to Christ? What does that mean? Listen to yourselves and, and see what Peter means. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, so the honor is for you who believe. First thing. Told you that we are utterly dependent on Christ and who he is. Since Christ was the living stone, what are we? We are the living stones. We are the living stones as well. Through our union with Christ, since we are in Christ, we are living stones. Which means that even though you might have problems right now, even though you might suffer, even though you might suffer from different illnesses or sicknesses, even though there might be some persecution in a town that you have against you, the hope is that you will be resurrected just like Christ was resurrected. That is the hope of Christians, right? That is what we hope for. So we are living stones. We're called living stones. And look at the privilege. God is building His last temple in heaven, in His kingdom. Through who? These living stones where Christ is the cornerstone. We have that privilege. God is building His building with us. We are, as it were, the walls for this final temple. And brothers, not only just that, look at, look at the other descriptions about us. Since we are living stones who are in Christ, we are a holy priesthood. Remember what priests did back in the day in the Old Testament. Remember, they had the privilege of going or entering into the Holy of Holies where they can, stu- they can stand before the presence of God. They were the only people. Lay people, normal people, wouldn't go into this Holy of Holies, the presence of God. What Peter is saying, in this new era, after Christ accomplished His work, you are all a priesthood where you, can, you are in the presence of God. All of you. So there is no fear or trembling for you. You can come before God feeling that He is indeed your God and there is nothing to fear. That wall, that enmity between God and men was destroyed by Christ and His shed blood. He destroyed that wall. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2. We see that Christ indeed through His blood finished and destroyed 
that enmity between God and human beings. The wrath of God is reversed. There is no wrath against those who believe now. And we are priesthood who can come before the Lord, who can pray freely. That's the privilege in the new covenant. And also, now we can offer spiritual sacrifices. And those spiritual sacrifices are worship, prayer, or living a holy life in this world before the unbelieving world. We have the privilege of being a priest sacrificing all our lives to Christ and in His way. And look at the, look, look what Peter says. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Shame and honor. Those are really important things, right? Even in this culture, in other cultures as well. It's important Virtue. Some people would say that they live for their own honor and they will die for their own honor. Well, back in the day, the reputation of Christians was really bad. They were gossiped about, they were lied about, they were humiliated publicly. I mean, imagine you're living in a really small town right now. It is a small town. So you can go out there and just know everybody. Imagine that people are speaking ill of you. Imagine that you have to stand before them. Imagine that you know a guy who is speaking ill of you and you have to buy coffee in that coffee shop. That is humiliating. It is humiliating, even in our own context. Christians had to bear that all the time. And Roman Empire. They have to bear that but in Christ's kingdom something is reversed back in the day in those times they were so humiliated that there were really weird gossips about them people called them cannibals they said wow these Christians they eat the flesh of someone and drink the blood of this person they call Jesus they're talking about Lord's Supper. They thought they were really eating someone's flesh in their gatherings. And they again said, wow, these people are having sexual relationships with their sisters and brothers. <laughs> of course, they heard that these people call each other brothers and sisters. And some of them were, of course, husbands and wives. And then... So they were gossiped about. Their reputation was under the feet of those Roman people. But what does Peter say? How is it going to be in the kingdom of God? Everything is reversed. See, those who believe in him, in him will not be put to shame. Because the honor is for them. They are going to be honored. They are going to be crowned in the presence of the Lord. Inheritance is for them. Everything is reversed in the kingdom of God. But there is more. There is more concerning the identity of unbelievers. We've seen the identity of Christ. 
we've seen identity of believers that is completely and utterly dependent on Christ. We see that they are going to be honored, even though they are being put to shame in this world by those who do not believe. But there is also the identity of unbelievers in picture. Here, what Peter has to say about the identity of who, those who do not believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Imagine that you're running and there's like a little rock or a little stone over there and you trip over it and you, you fall. That never feels okay. I mean, it's not just that the, the physical agony of falling, but it's, there's a psychological thing that when that unexpected thing happens, you feel terrible. You feel terrible, really. And when it hurts physically, too, that's like an added bonus. <laughs> so, but there is a stone now in public. Stone is being presented in this world. A stone which the dest- I mean, for, for those who do not believe and who believe, their destiny is totally, completely dependent on Christ. And to be honest, even for those who do not believe, that stone is still, the, it's going to determine things for them. It's a crisis. They put the Christ right in front of all this world. They're looking at Christ. Those who believe, they see him as a cornerstone because they know that he is the cornerstone in their heavenly home. But for those who do not see who are spiritually blinded, who cannot see the truth of the kingdom of God. They stumble over this rock. And I have to point out that this stumbling over this rock is not just a physical pain or a pain of unexpected thing happening. This is stumbling onto eternal destruction. This is huge. And that is, that is the identity of unbelievers. They stumble over the news about Christ. Christ is right there, but they can't see Christ. They can't. Sometimes you go and share the gospel with your friends. You really want them to understand. You really want them to come to Christ because you love them. You don't want them to, to be destroyed eternally. But they don't understand They don't see it. That is a spiritual blindness. In order for someone to get into the kingdom of God, they have to be born again from above. That's what it says in John 3. Because without being born from above, we cannot see anything. And we also see the great sovereignty of God and this whole thing says as they were destined to do so they disobey the word obeying the word and disobeying the word in peter is accepting the message or not accepting the message they did not accept it because they were destined to do so the great sovereignty of god over all creation 
both for the ones who are saved and for the ones who will be eternally punished. But there is more. There is more. This should definitely prompt us to go out and share this glorious news with our neighbors. Because without this news and Christ, there is no salvation and there is no comfort for anyone in this world. But as believers, there is more for us. There is more. See in in 1 Peter, especially in our text today, in our passage, verses 4 through 10, we see that he goes back to the Old Testament again and again. We see Peter as like a simple fisherman, but he definitely knew his Old Testament. And he saw all the connection between the Old Testament and New Testament. Great plan of God that that was progressively coming to take place in history and what happened in history indeed. He saw all the connections and he told us as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says in regards to our identity again. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is an amazing description of who we are right now. All those titles, descriptions, all those things were applied to Israel back in the day. When God was calling Israel his wife, Israel was called the chosen race and a royal priesthood in Exodus 19. Israel was called a holy nation and a people for God's own possession in Isaiah 43. Those are ours now. We are the beloved people of God. We are a chosen race, a holy nation, a people that God claims for himself. And this nation is not now only Israel, but it includes people from all countries and ethnicities. I am from Turkey, and I believe in Christ. I'm a Christian. Brandon has some ties with Irish people, I guess. He is a Christian too. What I want to point out is that there is this great diversity in kingdom now. But even if there is this diversity, even though there is this diversity in the kingdom, we are, we are as one nation together. The beloved nation of God. We are brought into this kingdom together as one voice. Even right now at this moment, we can call out to God and worship His name together. As united people. What a great privilege. What a great blessing that we have. And remember, once we were not people, but now we are His people. Once we did not, we had not received His mercy. But now, we have the mercy of God with which we are brought to His kingdom. Those things that are the last verse, 
It is taken from Hosea chapter 1 and 2. Remember the names of Hosea's kids, the second and third. The second one was not my people. The third one was, third one's name was no mercy. But God has promised that He will come and restore His people in the last days. And Peter is declaring that it has been done in Christ. Now we have mercy. Now we are people altogether. That is the great news that we have, brothers and sisters. That is the point of Peter. Christ, the Messiah, who was prophesied, promised. He came and fulfilled for us so that we could get the mercy of God. He came to this world. We're going to be celebrating Christmas soon. He was born... The king, a God, he came to this world, humiliated himself. He took upon a flesh. He shared our weakness in this world. But he lived a righteous life. Even though he lived a righteous life, he took the punishment that we were supposed to have and saved us from the wrath of God. And We are saved people now. We had received mercy through that work of Christ. We know it's a sure thing now because He is resurrected. He is ascended. He is a living stone and a living hope for us because He is living right now. He exists in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all creation and His church. This is a reality now. If this does not give hope to the people of God, us, Nothing can. We are a saved people of God who is now ruling over us. And brothers and sisters know that there will be persecution. You will suffer. You will battle the sins of this world daily. You will be beaten at times. You will lose your temper. You will feel like everything is coming upon you. Sometimes you will sin even though you don't want to. Because of the, the, the weakness of the flesh. But know that the new creation is coming. A time will come that you will be cleansed forever in eternity, living before in a holy God. As the people of God, the chosen people, where God would be building His new temple with you. That is your destiny. You are dependent on Christ, and you will have the inheritance when Christ is revealed at the end of the days. Let us pray. Heavenly Blessed Father, we are grateful and we trust. We trust what happened and what will take place for we know that Christ Jesus is resurrected from dead and we know that we will be resurrected from the dead. And we, we are so grateful, oh Father, because you sent your Son into this world. He shed his blood for his chosen ones. And not only He shed shed His blood, but He also brought us His kingdom by giving us the gift of faith. So Father, remind this fact to us. Remind us this, this week daily who Christ is. Remind us this week daily who we are in Christ. And remind us, O Father, in the times of of persecution and suffering 
whatever that suffering may be, that we have an inheritance that cannot be defiled, that cannot be impaired by anything. We also come before you for this church, O oh Father. Bless this church and be with the saints here and lead them and guide them and comfort them through your word. Bless the, the leadership in this church. Help them and give them wisdom so that whatever they do, they would do it to your glory. So, Father, we pray for those members who are suffering for different kinds of illnesses. Be with them and comfort them. And if it's your will, O oh Father, heal them. And also let us be a responsible body and we'll be always there for them, praying and comforting them through your word. Be also with your universal church, churches in, in the whole world. Be with those who are suffering, who are at the edge of even denying your name. Be with them, O oh Father, so that they will stay stand strong in your gospel, even at the point of death. Because, Father, death is a gain for us. We know that. We also thank you, O oh Father, for the common blessings that we have in this world that you provide us with clothing, eating, food, and all those things. We thank you for that, O oh Father. Also, be with the rulers who rule over us so that they would rule in justice and equity. Also, let us be uh, responsible and upright citizens, just working with our hands and uh, leading a quiet life, knowing our call from you. Heavenly Father, you are indeed our God. Help us to trust you and remember all the words that you have spoken to us in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.